Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's Straight Out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea from The Athletic. On this episode, Force and Blues dismantle Juventus, we riff on Man United's pain ahead of Sunday, and plenty more besides. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on The Athletic, this is Straight Out of Cobham. We are again then, listener. It's Thursday for us, which means it's time for your second weekly dose of Straight Out of Cobham. Joining me for this episode, please welcome Simon Johnson. Hello. Looking forward to the quiz later? Hello. <laughs> also with us is Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Uh, right, to celebrate Black Friday, you can now take advantage of our best deal of the year. You can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of just a pound a month for a full 12 months. But hurry, the offer ends at midnight on Monday. That's November the 29th. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Uh, Simon, pick an article, please, that you've written over over the last year or so that, that is one that you're particularly proud of that might drive people to take advantage of this magnificent deal? Well, there's so many, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just think it's, it's kind of reflective of where Chelsea are right now, um, what a great season they're having, um, that the seeds were sown with Tuchel's pre-season. And I wrote about an in-depth article with uh, Raf Huningstein about how he approached his first pre-season as Chelsea coach um, the message he sent to the players, how how he inspired them, how he prepared for this season. And we're seeing the fruits of his labours now. And that's the kind of in-depth read that no one else, of, um, or we like to think no one else does in the kind of detail that we do and the insight that we provide. So give that a buzz, uh, give that a read, um, and that will give you an insight into exactly what we do. Uh, how about you, Dom? Well, I'm going to promote my colleague Charlotte Harper's Piece. She went over to to France to to look into what's been going on with Kira Hamrui and Aminata Diallo at uh, Paris Saint Germain, and uh, the incident that occurred um, after a team meal quite recently, where um, Hamrui was was beaten up basically by two blokes in balaclavas um, and prompted various arrests, um, no charges um, as yet, as far as I know, but just for a, a sort of the intrigue around that that story and uh, and the the shockwaves that it that it caused in French football not least when they went and played Lyon uh, in a subsequent game lost 6-1 I think uh, it's, the shockwaves still being felt over in France and it's well worth a read it's a, it's a it's a really good in-depth piece of reporting yeah I would second that I also liked Simon's interview with Rob Green which was quite a long time ago but gave us a lot of insight into the Maurizio Sarri era but anyway it's all good go and sign up if you haven't already athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go 
to do so. Uh, right, later we'll hear from Adam Crafton on the Old Trafford-based sitcom, but there's only one place that we can start today. James, look at that. Oh, it's a pretty bad mistake by McKenney. by Weston McKenney, pretty costly, and Timo Werner has his goal to put icing on the cake. The team did very, very well. It's so tough to score goals, to create chances, and we scored so many, we created so much. So, full credit, amazing performance and fantastic result. Chelsea 4, Juventus nil. then. And what a performance from the Blues as they tore apart a patched-up Juve team on Tuesday night. Uh, Simon, I thought there were a lot of similarities in this match with the one at Leicester on Saturday and therefore you kind of left wondering, were Chelsea really great? Were, were Juve really terrible? Was it was it a bit of both? A little bit of both, but I, I, I would sort of emphasise the, the positives on, on Chelsea. I just think they're, they're just so good at the moment. Um, everything about the way they're playing, just full of confidence. Of course, what what's beautiful about what's going on again is is the academy boys sort of coming to the fore. Um, Chelsea are just sort of thriving off their energy, their their quality, their ability. That the crowd are buzzing off them as well. That there just seems to be an extra roar when a when a Reese James pile driver goes in or and or Hudson Odoi finishes at the back post. It, it just seems to be a um, and Chalibur, of course, I, can't, I shouldn't forget him opening the scoring. Um, there just seems to be such a great vibe about the place, um, playing with great, great confidence. Um, so I, I would say it's it's more an indication of how how Chelsea are getting stronger and stronger as each game goes on. Yeah, it was the Cobham kids who, who took the headlines, but Thiago Silva, the subject of Dom's post-match piece, I mean... I said Thiago Gold earlier in the season. I think he might be Thiago Platinum now. Uh, I saw a couple of people opining, Don, that he might be the best free transfer in ever, certainly in recent times, and, and not just because of his own performances, but because of their, the, the tangible effect that he's had on the likes of Christensen and, and Chalibur, I think. he's it, it almost looks like he's, he's getting younger rather than older. Yeah, I mean... To, to consider that he's he's regularly now playing three games in a week, which was something that he wasn't supposed to be able to do when he when he arrived. I think that sums him up. I think he came back on that we were trying to work this outside, weren't we? About Thursday last week, and he's 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 in the team for a Saturday lunchtime kickoff at the weekend. He's playing on Tuesday night against Juventus, and you'd assume that he would be in the starting lineup against Manchester United at the weekend as well. He just his quality. He's so calm and authoritative on the ball. Um, he made one mistake on Tuesday night, but he rectified it with tearing back to to reach Alvaro Morata's little dinked finish and and hacking it off the goal line with his with a volley and putting his body on the line. Really, he damaged his left ankle in that in that incident. But the the, the bloke is, has become a talisman for the team, inspirational figure across the back line. And, and it's I mean, how could those kids not learn from him? That, that was the question I was asking, really. I mean, Chaloba described him as an idol in the build-up to the game and, and every day he must be picking up things in training from him. Positioning, um, calmness on the ball, working out, reading a game, working out you know, the pass that you're going to make before you receive it. That's what he does. He, he just His distribution is excellent. Within that back three, it really suits him because he's got energy either side of him so he doesn't ever get sort of dragged out to to one flank um, as he might do in a back four but oh, he's he is a 
a brilliant, brilliant player, a player of, of the highest caliber, and a player that I think we're we're sort of finally recognizing his elite status in the Premier League now. He's he's probably been playing at this level for a long time, but coming to England, he's really just shown a, a new audience just how good he is. Uh, Simon, will he get another contract if he wants one? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's 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 all down to him, up to him. If he wants to stay, Chelsea will say yes, please. Um, um, and this is a, it's again sort of backing up what, what Don's saying. I, I think that's a real huge indication of just what a figure, what a character he is. And it's not just his performances on the pitch; it's it's his influence around the, the training ground. So, yeah, it's all up to him. If he wants to stay at Chelsea, Chelsea will will keep him for sure. But he he needs to stay as well. I mean, you we shouldn't forget that he he has set his targets on the Qatar World Cup a mid-season World Cup. So he to play at a club, an elite club like Chelsea, for the first six months, five months of next season will be will be key to him, you know, being at the standard to go to that tournament um, and hit the ground running. So I think it's an absolute no-brainer he gets another year. Uh, he's not playing like a 37-year-old. He's, he's playing like a 25-year-old, really. And I think they'll manage him sensibly. And I think a lot of the credit probably does go down to the sports scientists and, and the way they, they use him down at, at Cobham and, and in games. But, I mean, the bloke is class. And let's talk about those Cobham kids then. Simon, how surprised are you that they've maintained their places in, in this Thomas Tuchel team? I, I noted in uh, in your latest piece for The Athletic, you mentioned that Callum, for example, played seven in a row for the first time for Chelsea. It, it, it's quite a meritocracy, isn't it? So they're, they're there because they deserve to be there. But is it to Tuchel's credit that he's shown the faith in them or, or is it to the players' credit that they've managed to keep up the quality to, to maintain a place in the team? Well, you could argue, I'm going to say, should I say a bit of both again? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say every case is the same. Um, for example, Reese James, I think, was always likely to be the starting right wing back for most of the season um, because that's what he was starting to become. He was starting to become a regular under Tuchel, obviously earlier in the year, and he played Champions League final, etc. Of course, Chalobah is was no one saw this coming, and even if you saw, even if you sort of thought, okay, he's played a few games early on, some might have thought, well, it's just, just, just for now, just a short term thing. But I think Chalobah's own performances have kind of made him sort of not undroppable because obviously he's not going to be a, playing every week, but that there's trust there. And I think that's the thing about Tuchel. It's all about trust. If if you get a chance and you play well, he picks you. It doesn't matter if you're a, a youngster or, or a veteran. Um, what's interesting, Callum Hudson-Doy has had to rely on a bit of luck with injuries to finally get, this is what I've been ranting on about, seems all year, um, to finally get a chance to play in his preferred position and a number of games. And then we could... My argument was always, and then we could finally see if Callum Hudson-Odoi is any good, because we've not really had that opportunity very much in, in the last two years. Well, seven successive games, um, he's getting better with each one, he's getting more confident with each one. I thought it was very um, very significant that at Leicester, when Ziyech and Pulisic were about to come on, I was thinking, oh... Is this Callum about to get hooks? No, he was one that stayed on. I then thought, oh, is that an indication that he's not starting against Juventus? No, he starts against Juventus, has another great game. 
Um, so I think it's credit to Tuchel for, for, for sort of picking guys in form, credit to, to, for him to give youth the chance, but I think also an awful amount of credit to the guys themselves for taking their opportunity when they're in the team. It looks like, Dom, there's going to be an opportunity for, for Marcos Alonso, maybe for an extended period of time too. Ben Chilwell and Angola Cante both going down injured against Juventus and it seems that Chilwell's is the more serious of the two injuries. Yeah, that sounded like pretty grim news. Um, he looked, I mean, when Conte came off, um, I mean, he walked off and just straight down the tunnel. He, he didn't look in any obvious discomfort, but it was very different with, with Chilwell, who initially they called for a stretcher. Then then I think he came off with two physios sort of holding him up. Uh, a third came in and helped him down the tunnel, and, and he was he was... Talking to Saul and uh, Mason Mount, who was just sitting right next to the to the tunnel, and he was he was just talking about his knee. He could say he was saying knee, knee. It's a knee. It's a problem. He did not look happy. He looked as if it was a. He knew something serious had happened. Um, Chelsea starts is quite interesting on it. They obviously reluctant to to push him straight into the surgery. They, they're looking at the, the scans. They'll probably presumably have more scans when swelling goes down uh, in the hope that this is an injury that might heal itself, might not be quite as serious as, as initially feared, and it and there might be a chance that it, that it can, can repair itself without the surgery, without major surgery anyway. But we'll have to see on that one because for whatever happens, he looks as if he's out for the calendar year. If he has a surgery, then obviously it's going to be the season. Um, and yeah, that does open it up again for Marcus Alonso to hopefully recapture some of the form that, that illuminated the the start of the, the campaign. It does leave him a bit short in that area. I mean, I think they'd have to mix and match beyond that. And, you know, we've just sized, spoken there at length about how brilliant it is to see Callum Hudson-Odoi playing in his natural position, but... You know, I think there might be a bit of mixing and matching at, at left wing back at some stage over the, the weeks and months ahead. And that might involve Callum filling in there occasionally, might involve Cesar Aspilicueta sitting in there at times just to give Marcus Alonso a breather, given the amount of workload um, that's placed on on the wing backs in this system. But for in the short term, Alonso is not going to be a problem. You know what he's going to get. He's going to he'll still be a, a threat going forward um, defensively. Yeah, I mean, is he he's sort of similar standard to to Ben Chilwell? Maybe not quite as 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 solid, but but I think we know what we're going to get with Marcus Alonso, and it will certainly if he brings the form that he showed in the Nations League with Spain last month, then uh, Chelsea will be okay. Uh, somebody, I forget who, apologies, but somebody pointed out on Twitter this morning that Saul started Atletico Madrid's first two games this season at left wing back. So who knows? Maybe he could. He could go there too, but it's such a shame for Chilwell, isn't it, Simon? Because he'd worked so hard to get himself back into the team. Ironically, it was that match against Juventus in Turin when he came on at half-time that it really sort of turned for him. And and it, it does affect the balance somewhat because you don't get the same kind of energy from a, from Alonso as you do from Chilwell. But then we've seen Chelsea cope pretty well with, with the injury absentees that they've had already this season. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like almost partly responsible, actually, because I wrote... <laughs> I wrote a piece recently about why Chelsea won't have to sign anyone in January, um, with the caveat, unless there's a major injury. <laughs> Within a week or two, there's a major injury. Um, I, I don't... It, it is a massive blow, because I, I would argue Chilwell was in the form of his career, not just not just at Chelsea, but he, he, he for England as well. I mean, he was... 
his attacking it wasn't just sticking out to the to, on the flanks the, the amount of times he was moving within um, the width of the penalty area and sort of almost becoming another forward it was um, extraordinary to watch so there will be some adaption because him and him and Reese James we saw we'd sort of see them before the game sort of having little little um, chats on the pitch almost like conspiring with each other about what they're about to do to the opposition um, so Rhys James, you'd imagine, is going to miss him quite a lot as well. But look, Marcus Alonso, I'm actually going to be writing a piece about this, um, which will probably be out in the morning. Um, Marcus Alonso, he he's the highest scoring defender in the Premier League since he arrived. So as far as backups go, not bad. <laughs> you know, it's it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah, you can sort of worry about him defensively. And Chelsea, you know, they can sort of have various other options, stumble their way through to January, and then there might be a few decisions to be made, whether they do sort of sign someone on loan, bring someone back from a loan. But I, it's a blow, but one that I, I have no doubts that Tuchel will find a way to manage. I was just thinking about Ian Martin, Dom, who you wrote a piece on for The Athletic. He'd be the one, I suppose, wouldn't he? You could potentially come back, you would think, as cover, but at least he's been playing football regularly this season. Yeah, he was playing football regularly until he got sent off in the match immediately after that piece came out. Um, yeah, the athletic jinx again. Exactly. <laughs> he has he has done very very well. Um, I mean the yeah he's he has been playing regular football, so he will be up to speed. But it's it's more the you know whether he would be ready to to step into the Premier League and do that job. Um, it may be an option to look at. I, I don't know whether there's a recall on on that and. Um, usually these recalls kick in if a player isn't playing for that for that club that he's been loaned to and, and therefore Chelsea bring him back to send them out again. Now, now Ian Martin's very much a part of a, a Coventry team that's currently ensconced in the playoff places in the Championship. I think they would be very reluctant to let him go. Um, so it would have to be a pretty exceptional clause that's been put in there that allows Chelsea to call him back if he's just going to sit and be cover uh, at Chelsea. I think it's probably more beneficial for him to stay at Coventry and play regular football for the rest of the season, particularly when you when you've got alternative options. And we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that Aspilicueta hasn't really featured as of late. I mean he has he has been waiting for a chance to get back into this team. He's he's clearly not going to be ousting Reese James at right wing back anytime soon and it f- feels that there are enough options at centre half for, for Tuchel not to have to consider using him there so maybe left wing back is actually a, a, a role that he might be able to to play a part in Callum Hudson-Odoi likewise and, and so one's intriguing and, and I'll be honest that's something, something that I hadn't even considered but it's if he's played there before and and given as Simon says that the Chelsea wing backs aren't pinned to the flank they're not wingers they sort of operate in this in this central area and Chilwell was popping up in in attacking in areas because that's what the system allows him to do I mean it's his instinct as well but you know if Saul is drifting effectively into midfield from a left wing back starting berth then then that might actually suit him and might offer him a route into into the team and to justify the loan move from Atletico in the first place so there are a few options there that that, that Tuca will be able to explore. Uh, yeah, we'll just have to see how that unfolds. Uh, the other game in Group H finished 1-1. Zenit getting a very lucky late penalty away to Malmo. It means that they finish third. So it means that they don't need to get a result when Chelsea go to St. Petersburg next month. All Chelsea need to do is match Juventus' result and they will finish top of 
the group. Uh, before that game away to Zenit, though, comes the visit of Manchester United to Stamford Bridge on Sunday, and we'll look ahead to that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Manchester United at home, always one of the most anticipated games of this season, but rarely, if ever, can the Red Devils have visited Stamford Bridge in such a state. Last weekend's latest gubbing, this time at Watford, spelt the end for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, joining us now to give us the latest on United is the magnificent Adam Crafton. Uh, Adam, we're told that, it, that it's Maurizio Pochettino who, well, he seemingly wants to come as much as United want him, but that, that's going to be at the end of the season, is it fair to say? Uh, it looks incredibly like that. I think there was definitely you know, stories earlier this week that Pochettino would like to come to Manchester United and would like to do that in the middle of the season. United would quite like that as well. The, the problem for both of them is there's a third opinion in the room and that's Paris Saint-Germain who have him under contract until the summer of 2023 and certainly as of before the game last night against Manchester City when they lost. Um, the feeling at PSG was they wanted to keep him at least until the end of the season. Uh, do United supporters look at Chelsea with a bit of envy at the moment? I, I ask that because obviously Chelsea got rid of a club legend. Uh, the first sign of trouble ended the season as European champions. United gave Solskjaer chance after chance. I, I know he's a beloved figure, but is there a feeling amongst some that, that they wish they'd been a bit more ruthless? Um, I think there's certainly supporters who felt, you know, at different stages of of uh, Solskjaer's reign that United could have made a change that there could have been more ruthlessness I don't think as a whole Man United fans are looking at Chelsea and thinking that's how they want their club to be run Um, whether that's right or wrong I think United fans obviously having you know mostly experienced one person being in charge for a very long time would still like to repeat that with another person how realistic that is um, is another question um, I think where they will be looking at Chelsea is, you know, there was a PSG manager who left last year um, whose reputation had taken a little bit of a battering in Paris, looked a little like, you know, people were questioning whether he could manage at the very highest level with the biggest players and has then left that environment and thrived in a different environment in the Premier League. So I think I think that's where United fans might be looking at, you know, particularly PSG's performance against Manchester City, which was pretty poor. Um, and thinking, okay, but what could he do when he's in an environment that would be a bit easier to manage? And in terms of that environment above him, is that is that changing as well? And again, there's a kind of comparison with Chelsea, isn't there, in that Marina Granovska has just won an award for how good she is at her job, and yet United have been kind of crying out for a director of football for a long time. Is, is that what Darren Fletcher is ultimately going to be? Uh, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> they've got... 
I mean, with everyone's at the moment a little bit trying to work out what different people are doing at Manchester United. So you've got Ed Woodward, who's the executive vice chairman. Um, he announced after the Super League that he'd be leaving by the end of the year. Um, we're now told that he'll be staying on in a sort of consultancy role, um, which the clubs say is um, kind of typical of sort of major businesses when when a CEO leaves that, you know, they would remain available if if needed for any expertise. Obviously, the counter argument to that is it's normally based on um, that person actually doing quite well in the job in the first place <laughs> and that you would want that expertise. Um, so that's that's where the argument may come in there. They then have the guy who's meant to replace him, who currently runs the commercial side in Richard Arnold. They also have a football director in John Murter. They have a technical secretary in Darren Fletcher. Um, they have a negotiator with Matt Judge. Um, and then they also have Joel Glazer. So it's a little bit unclear as to what that structure is. I mean, we've been told that even Fletcher himself has been a little bit confused as to what exactly his role entails, whether it's, you know, with a view to becoming a sort of hands-on sporting director. But, you know, on, on Tuesday night in Villarreal, he was on the bench alongside Michael Carrick, effectively coaching the team. So it's a little bit TBC in terms of Fletcher's role going forward. So that was a very convoluted answer, but it's a very convoluted situation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you come to the right place. Um, hi, hi, Adam. Um, sp- speaking about uh, on the football side of things um, uh, and the team side of things, what, what are United going to do without Maguire and Varane, do you think? How, how do you think they're going to line up defensively? Um, and it might be one that the interim, you know, the interim manager, it might be one of those games where you think, oh, I'll just sit in the stand, take this one in while Michael Carrick takes the team, <laughs> um, if there's an appointment before then, uh, which I think there might be. Um, so I would expect, I mean, Victor Lindelof will play and you would imagine that Eric Bailly would play alongside him. United might decide to go to a three at the back. They've done that before against Chelsea and Luke Shaw's played um, at the left of that back three before. And then you could have Alex Terz, um as a sort of a left wing back and Juan Bissaka as a right wing back, which would allow you know, to match Chelsea up um, in terms of shape. I think I think from United's point of view, you know, given the way it's been going over the last few weeks, the priority for them will be, you know, can we go there and attempt to keep a clean sheet? And, you know, whatever we think about United, they will always create a couple of chances with the players that they've got. Um, so, you know, they've had success against Chelsea over the last couple of years. I think Chelsea have found it hard to beat Manchester United, found it hard to score goals against Manchester United um, over the last couple of seasons. So it'll be interesting to see now that Tuchel's, you know, properly into his rhythm. Chelsea look pretty dominant at the moment. How Chelsea trying to lock United. All right. It's not a great connection, Adam, so we'll leave it there. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. Cheers, Adam. Oh, he's gone. Uh, that Wi-Fi connection, indicative of Manchester United's season so far. Not very good. Uh, Simon, I wanted to ask you about Mason Mount because you've been writing about him uh, on the site today and and the fact that he's been kind of not forgotten about, but but as the player of the year, you'd think he'd be to the fore when we're talking about academy kids. But the fact that he's had this problem with his teeth means that's not been the case in recent weeks. Yeah, and it, not just that, you know, the, the, as I sort of point in the piece, that he, he played 69 games for club and country last season, had a late return from his holiday post-Euros, which meant he didn't really have a proper pre-season. Um, he suffered an injury, 
a minor injury which ruled him out of the Man City and Juventus defeat. It's been very stop-start. He's he's not had that that rhythm of games to to get into the the form that we've come to know and expect, and it has led to some bizarre sort of. Uh, rumblings of discontent uh, in certain media outlets and, and talking about contracts and and he's not signing and he could be moving to... I mean, Liverpool was mentioned. It was, it was all really random. Um, and what, what makes it all more bizarre is there's none of it is true. There's, not a, there's nothing in it at all. Um, they've not even started talking about contracts, let alone rejecting anything. So I just thought it was, one, interesting that, you know, after Juventus, there's all this chat about the Academy boys and and Mason's name wasn't sort of re- one of them, which is a really unusual uh, thing because he's basically been at the forefront of the Chelsea Academy in, in the Chelsea first team chat um, ever since Frank Lampard gave him his debut against Manchester United. But I don't think there's anything to worry about. Um, yes, he lost some weight because of the, the wisdom teeth and the, and the illness that he suffered from it. But um, from what I'm hearing, he's... he's, he's Charring away, <laughs> Simon Johnson style to uh, put the weight back on, um, and uh, but unlike Simon Johnson, uh, he's uh, doing a lot of exercise. And um, have yeah, we he... really reached the point in this podcast where you refer to yourself <laughs> in the third person? Yeah, yeah, it's a new low. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, I I, I don't, I've got no concerns. Um, he'll soon be back to the Mason Mount, you know, and. And in a weird kind of way, I think it might sort of be a bit of a blessing in disguise in that because he's not played that many minutes um, by his standards, that he'll be sort of coming on strong in what is going to be a very long season over the next six months. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod to go to sign up to read that article from Simon Johnson. Remember, it's just a pound a month for 12 months if you take advantage of the Black Friday deal and you won't get any made up transfer rumours either um, in terms of other team news Dom for, for this game or, or team selection I should say does the fact that Romelu Lukaku didn't get off the bench on Tuesday night mean that he's more or less likely to feature here that will depend upon how he, he trains on on Thursday and and Friday and Saturday I guess um, I, I came away from the bridge on, on Tuesday thinking that it was probably less likely that he started the game on, on the Sunday and that maybe Timo Werner coming off the bench and scoring a goal sets him up as a as the number nine in that in that in that team. Largely because I didn't think Christian Pulisic really worked in that in that role. He he looked another player that was slightly shorn of match fitness and still rusty and it was surprising that he, he started so soon really. Um uh, and Kai Havertz, we, we're waiting on an update on the state of his hamstring, and hopefully that isn't too serious. But again, having sat out in midweek, is he likely to come straight back into the starting lineup? It, it sort of feels a bit unlikely. So I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Werner is the one that, that, that begins on on Sunday, in the hope that he brings the confidence of that of that goal into the game and, and can stretch United and and discomfort what will be a makeshift centre half pairing, as as Adam has just described. Um, but Lukaku, I know we said on this podcast this time last week that, that Lukaku doesn't feel like the type of player that you you ever want to see as a super sub. But you know, if he's required to go and um, ruffle some feathers later on, and 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 maybe offer a different kind of threat, a very different kind of threat to Werner, that's not a bad option to have. And and if he's maybe gets a cameo, 
he'll be hungry, he'll be he'll be eager to make an impact and you know, depending on what the, the state of the game is at that point, he 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 could easily be the, the type of player to turn a match. Well, as we've spoken about at great length, Chelsea have got fantastic depth to their squad. So whoever comes in, you think they'll be more than a match for Manchester United, given their current state. It's a half past four kickoff UK time on Sunday, and of course, we'll handle the fallout on Monday's pod. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-19s also faced Juventus on Tuesday in the UEFA Youth League, but they were beaten 3-1. Joe Hay got a late consolation for the Blues, but the result means Juve win the group. Chelsea go to Zenit next month, needing to avoid a defeat by a score of more than 3-1 to finish second and then go into the playoff round against a team from the domestic champions path for a place in the last 16. It makes perfect sense to somebody. Uh, there's an international break in the women's game this weekend, so no game for Emma Hayes' team. Uh, good news, though, for Millie Bright. She's going to captain England for their World Cup qualifiers against Austria and Latvia. In terms of the development and academy teams, uh, the men's under-23s host Brighton in PL2 on Friday night, whilst the under-18s go to Derby on Saturday morning for their latest game in the Premier League Cup. You can watch both of those on Chelsea's online platforms. I'll be commentating on the Derby game, but don't let that put you off. Uh, Right, you know what it's time for now, listener. It's Thursday. It means it's a quiz. Uh, You know the format by now. Three questions each. Chelsea and Manchester United are the theme. Here we go. Simon, you did so well last week. It's it's interesting. We don't often have... <laughs> we don't often have the same fixture as we did last week, but it is Fifield against Johnson the game. Um, Dom, you can go first. Here's your first question. What was the score in the two Premier League games between Chelsea and Man United last season? No, no. Oh, perfect. Wow, didn't even, didn't even draw breath. <laughs> that's, that's quite the flex for Simon. Um, right, here's your first question, Simon. See if you can answer it in a heartbeat like Dom just did. What was the score in 1972? <laughs> 
Which Manchester United player scored an own goal in the 2020 FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea? <laughs> Stop laughing, Dom. <laughs> uh, let me just name a beleaguered defender. Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire is absolutely correct. <laughs> Good. Very, very timely, actually. If only he was playing on Sunday. Uh, Dom, here's your second question. Uh, Chelsea beat United 1-0 in the 2018 FA Cup final. William came off the bench in that game. After it, he posted a picture on Instagram of the team celebrating, but with manager Antonio Conte covered up. And he blamed this on his daughter pinching his phone. Few believed him. Uh, what emoji did William slash his daughter use to cover up Conte with in the picture? Was it a trophy? It was a trophy, yes. Well, several trophies. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was a bit mean, but there we Ditch go. It's the clown option then, that's a bit odd. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a step too far. Wouldn't it? <laughs> um, okay, so it's 2-1. Here's your second question, Simon. I don't think you're going to like this one very much. Uh, in his 19 games against them, how many goals did Eden Hazard score against United? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there was the cup final goal. Yeah. There was an FA Cup game at Old Trafford, I remember, in bending one in the top corner. Uh, I think, did he score in the league game? So that's it. Oh, I'm going to go, so that's three. I'm going to go five. Oh, that is magnificent. What a standard we've set today. Five is absolutely on the money. Throw the grodas. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to come down to the last question. What, what, what a quiz this week. Uh, right, Dom, this is your final question. It's not an easy one, I'll be honest. Uh, in October 2012, Chelsea beat Man United 5-4 in a oh, yeah. ding-dong League Cup tie. Yeah, On the yeah. bench for the Blues that night was an academy graduate midfielder. Currently at Millwall, he never played for the Chelsea first team, though he did play against them whilst at Wolves in an FA Cup game in 2017. Name that midfielder. George Saville. Oh, this is just Oh, my word. Well done. That's my, that's my knowledge of South London football, that's all. Well, is that or Lucy shared the Google Doc that I wrote <laughs> with you two? And I'm not ruling that out, I'll be honest. Uh, three, two, then. Um, Simon, I'm not actually registered to win this season, but this draw would feel like a victory, just given the standard that's been set today. Uh, can you maintain it with your final question? Chelsea were beaten 5-3 by United at Stamford Bridge in 1998. Fill in the blank at the end of this mm. sentence. That was the last time that Chelsea... So 5-3, 1998. It was the last time that Chelsea... Lost a third round tie. Oh, this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe I've got it. Maybe I've got to take a long look at myself. Maybe these the questions brain. are just far too easy. The brain works. The brain works. <laughs> that, is, that is an incredible stat, by the way, isn't it? 1998 was the last time they lost an FA Cup third round tie. I, I, Simon, I'm imagining you're just going to brush that off and say, yeah, of course. But for the likes of me and Dom, who support teams who very rarely get past. Can I, can I throw in a, a bit of context, a bit of a perspective here? Since my team last scored a goal in any cup competition, Manchester City have scored 131 cup goals. <laughs> That's a beauty. 
But I would say, in answer to your your point, Matt, it, it, the funny thing was it used to be fairly commonplace for Chelsea to be knocked out third, fourth rounds. Um, it's just that since what the since they got to the cup final in '94, um, they've had a they've had a sort of great love affair with the competition. But but uh, the years before that, I, I I remember sort of just as a kid, sort of every every sort of FA Cup, there'd be like the uh, predictions. And on uh, football focus, and uh, there'd always be one guy that'd go. This year, my tip is Chelsea, and then later on, they'd be knocked out at home by Bristol City. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of like it, the prediction lasted just a few hours, but um, but no, it, that is a remarkable, a remarkable stat. Yeah, twenty twenty. Well, what's twenty three? Going to be twenty four years in January, I would imagine, um, unless they get a very tough draw. Yeah, a love affair with the FA Cup helped in no small part by the fact that they spent about 15 years in a row getting drawn at home to a League Two side, which yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that does help. <laughs> uh, right, we're just about done for today. I'm still reeling. I, I'm trying to just put, pick myself back together after that incredible quizzing. Um, Dom, we're going to plug some more stuff before we go. The Stephen Watt piece is finally up. Oh, oh yes, it's there. Yeah, it's there. Um, yeah, I... It was fun to write that, to be honest. He's a he's a he's a good man and and uh, someone that I think I think he's a bit he feels if he underachieved as a player. I think largely born of the fact that so many clubs wanted him when he was a kid up in up in the north coast of Scotland, um, and virtually all I think every Premier League team bar Manchester United tried to get him on trial. Um, so it's nice that he can look back and. And see some positives there that he, you know, he did play for a, a title-winning team, albeit for only two minutes at the end of the season. But he he was on the pitch, and you know, Simon would give his right arm and leg to be in that situation. <laughs> Simon Johnson, sorry, I should say. Yeah, yeah, Simon Johnson is all over that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, are you at Stamford Bridge on Sunday? No, no. Dom has got the uh, the the privilege. Um, you got Watford though. That's all right though. I've picked the glamour game, the real glamour game, but uh, who knows? It might be the harder game, uh, given what Claudio Ranieri's uh, mm. been doing. Um, but uh, but yeah, Dom, I'm sending Dom forth to uh, to bring the result for Chelsea. Excellent. Um, yeah, let's <laughs> I, I have any so yeah. <laughs> Let's hope it is a positive result. It's hard to see how it wouldn't be at the moment, but this is football, isn't it? Uh, one last plug for that offer then, athletic.com slash Chelsea Pod. If you're not currently a subscriber to The Athletic, our Black Friday deal will let you sign up for just a pound a month for a full 12 months. It ends at midnight on November the 29th. We will be back on Monday when we will be reflecting on that Man United game and looking ahead to the midweek match with Watford, plus plenty more beside. Until then, many thanks to Dom, to Simon and to Lucy and to you, listener. We'll speak to you again Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye for now. The Athletic.